Oh, I'm excited for this week's campfire chat. Oh, I know you're super excited about this destination. Yes, if all you crazy RVers out there that want to take your rig all the way up to Alaska, you want to stay tuned for this episode. Yes, because you have the ability to caravan with a bunch of other RVers all the way up to Alaska with Caravan to Alaska. Yes, all you crazies like me, this is something I've been dreaming about, but stay tuned and listen to all you need to do to get up to Alaska with your RV. Here we go. Did you know that 46 million Americans plan to take an RV trip in the next 12 months? 90% of recreational vehicle owners take three or more mini vacations every year. Welcome to the RV Destinations Podcast. If it's RV travel, we're talking about it. From campgrounds to museums to national and state parks, kayaking and hiking opportunities. One of the most fun and pleasurable things you can do is just hit the road. So be ready to be inspired. Welcome in to the RV Destinations Podcast. Now your host, President Randy Beheimer and Editor-in-Chief Callie Beheimer. Hello and welcome to the RV Destinations podcast. This is the podcast series where we talk everything about RV destinations all across the United States and Canada. I am Callie Beheimer, Editor-in-Chief of RV Destinations Magazine, and sitting here across the room with me today is the one, the only, Randy Beheimer, President of RV Destinations Magazine. How are you, baby? What's the matter with you? Every time, honey. You know know. I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. It's a thing. It is officially a thing. And we are joined today by Kim Riles with Caravan to Alaska. Hello, Kim. How are you? Hey, Kelly. Hi, Randy. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. So, you know, we, the three of us know, but our listeners don't know, we attempted to record this before and we had all kinds of technical difficulties. So we said, you know what, reset, we'll we'll revisit this in a few weeks. And here we are a few weeks later. And so far, so good. So yay to us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Small miracles. We both... I mean, all of us spend a lot of time on the road. So the fact that we can even do this while we're moving around is... It's pretty good. Right, right. It's pretty incredible. So so today, uh, we're calling this a campfire chat. So we're going to chat a little bit about you and w- what you've got going on in, in, in your company. Um, and, you know, I was excited when you reached out to me mm-hmm. uh, because this is something that I've always wanted to do. And so all you crazies out there that are listening right now, all those crazies like me that want to hop in your RV and drive it 4,000 miles up to Alaska, that's what we're going to talk, talk about today. And and. And Kim is an expert at this. She's done it. Uh, how, how many times have you done it? You know, um, not to sound flip, I've lost count. <laughs> wow. Uh, dozens? Dozens. <laughs> okay. Okay. So why, why don't we Yeah. Why, why don't we start with, where, where are you right now? Are you, you're out on the West Coast, correct? I am. Right at this moment, I am near Squim, Washington, near the Dungeness Recreation Area, um, Right across the water from uh, Victoria, Canada. So. Okay, and and maybe why don't we start off? T- tell us a little bit about yourself. I know offline you've told us a little some of the backstory, but why don't you tell our listeners here a little bit about you know how this kind of all evolved from you working in Alaska to starting to caravan people up to Alaska? Mm-hmm. Maybe tell a little bit of how the company kind of evolved to being um, you know a, a company. Yeah, yeah, sure. So. Um, 
My formal training is in wildlife biology and Alaska. I've, I always have my whole life. I've spent a lot of time outdoors. Alaska has always been on my radar screen as some place that I did want to live, work, and play. I had that opportunity to accept a position up there over a decade ago, and I moved from the lower 48 to Alaska, specifically Cordova, Alaska, which is not accessible by road. You have to boat or plane in. And I accepted the position of executive director for the Copper River Salmon Brand. Mm-hmm. And basically, I was responsible for um, helping the, the 574 fishermen, commercial fishermen in this fleet that bring this very special salmon to market every year. I was responsible for helping them um, do quality improvements and outreach in the lower 48 and beyond uh, marketing the fish. So it was a I would say it was a crash course in how to uh, live in Alaska when the first community you moved to was just 2,400 people up against a mountain in the middle of Prince William Sound. So wow, that is how I got up there. Yeah. <laughs> um, at some point, you know, you don't st- many people these days don't stick with the same job forever. So I ended up going, getting on the road system, moving to Palmer, Alaska, which is in South Central Alaska. And there I took on uh, the position of executive director for the Matsu Trails and Parks Foundation, which was an organization that was going to improve trails in the Matsu borough, um, an area about 25,000 square miles. So um, that is my employment history up there. I, for many reasons, um, an elderly father in Florida, not really doing too well with the short winter days. I decided to, quote unquote, come out uh, for the winter. So I've been going back and forth now. That's out with a capital O. Mm -hmm. Everything outside. (laughs) When you're in Alaska, everything else (laughs) is outside. You know, I'm going outside or I'm going to get out or something like that. So I came back down to the lower 48. Um I didn't want to lose my connection to Alaska, so I actually started a summer tourism business up there. So basically, the drive from the Washington, the state of Washington, to Alaska, um, up and down every summer, is my commute to my summer business. And um, the first time I did it, I did it with my brother, and then I took friends, and then I did it alone. And I guess I kind of ran out of people to do it with. I do like company doing it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I decided to reach out and see if there was other people who would like a little bit of support in doing it. Because I know it's an it's a bucket list item on many RVers. They have a dream to get up to Alaska and back. So um, yeah, that's I mean, how Caravan to Alaska was born. Uh, we've tried to plan it mm-hmm. twice. In uh, both times, we had to cancel it. You know, just mainly because of the time commitment, and yeah. then. Uh, you know, we had uh, some trouble with our motorhome, and so it made us a little iffy uh, about going a few years ago. And 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 so, uh, it, it, it's a big undertaking. It's, it's da- it feels daunting, and so I I love that you have this, you know, that you've started this company saying, "Hey, this is daunting, but I've done this so many times. I know the ins and outs, and I can help you as an RV or do this." Right, right. So, I mean, Callie and I. We're pretty solo type people. We feel mm-hmm. pretty confident. But even with this trip to or with this trip to Alaska, I told her, I'm like, we need to find somebody else because if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you break down, 
you might be, and, and you can actually probably attest to this, you may not have cell phone service for 100 miles or yeah. a gas station or anything. Is that a pretty accurate statement? It is. Um, the further north you go, obviously, the more remote the country and the landscape is. And I can also tell you, even I have had Verizon and um, AT&T, and in both cases, I have been out of cell service for days, not not miles or hours. Wow. Um, so it's just something you've got to be, yeah, you got to be prepared. And um, I guess this kind of could segue pretty well into how do you pack to go? Yeah. Sure. Um, of course, you're going to be tra- mm-hmm. driving, uh, traveling internationally. So you're going to want yeah. to pack your passport. If you are traveling with a dog or other animals, you're also going to want to bring their paperwork as well. Most, A lot of people are coming up there with dogs, as I do. And so that means uh, their rabies certificate, not just the tag. You have to have the little form where the veterinarian signs it and has the lot number for the rabies shot and the expiration date. And a health certificate. I'll go over that in more um, depth with the people who are actually going with me. But you're going to want your dog's paperwork. And then you're going to pack the things that you normally travel with that anybody would have, mostly in their wallet and in their dashboard. And of course, that's going to be your driver license, your insurance, credit cards, and cash. I take a few hundred dollars of cash, mostly for um, campground fees. They're very inexpensive traveling through Canada. Um, Cash works, check works. The Canadian provincial parks are about $20 uh, Canadian. So I'll take a little bit of U.S. cash with me. I will call my bank to let them know that I'm traveling through Canada and please don't freeze my credit cards when you don't recognize a few (laughs) um, expenses because we want to be able to use them. Um, But I don't exchange, I don't get any Canadian cash until I actually, actually cross over the border because the easiest way for me to get it is to take my U.S. debit card, a um, Canadian ATM and just withdraw cash. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yes. It, you're, you know, I'm only going to go through Canada for 10 days on my trip, so I don't need a lot of cash. Most places will accept plastic. Um, in a pinch, they'll accept your U.S. cash, although if they are doing you the favor of taking your foreign money, they won't give you the exchange. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, if you're using your debit or your credit card, you will be paying the the Canadian whatever the amount is. And on the back end at your bank, they will exchange it. So I may be making a, making, you know, using my U.S. debit card to make a $10 purchase in Canada, but it'll show up as 7 or $7.50 on my statement. And then usually a small charge by your bank, 20 cents converted or something like that. Or for the, I think it's a percentage base, I believe. Yes, that's absolutely correct. Let me let me stop you there because I, I I have a question for you that you just said you said you take ten days to get across mm-hmm. uh, Canada. So, um, what do you think the um, uh, what what do you think the quickest to get across Canada is? And then what uh, ten days probably is the optimum? I'm guessing because that's what you're taking. What, what do you recommend usually if if someone's doing this on their own? Let's put it that way. That is a great question. Okay, so. I'm always taking off from the state of Washington and the the 10 days for me from Washington to South central Alaska 
is a leisurely, it's a comfortable leisurely pace for me. There have been times in the past where I've needed to be on one side of the or the other, either in Alaska or in the lower 48 for either a commitment or whatnot. The m- minimum I guess I've done it in is five days. And when you look at the math behind it, if you're talking about, again, the state of Washington getting up to, say, Anchorage, the miles will appear as if you could do them faster. You're going to come up with 2,500 miles or something. But the entire drive feels longer because you don't have services at every every two or three miles. The, the roads aren't, you know, in some places the roads aren't as good. You're going to have some, some summer construction, um, you know, the only season that they can do construction. Um, so yeah. <laughs> it's, you're, it's going to, five is feels hardcore seven or eight would be nice um i like the places i go through in canada so much and think they're beautiful that i'm always wanting to linger a little bit so 10 for me is ideal for me if you have the time to do it you can do it in five it's going to be a bit of a hard slog um and then uh the 10 days is also, you know, turns out easy for math. Because if I go, well, I've got 2,500 miles to go in 10 days, I got to do 250, 250 miles a day. And that helps me keep on track. Gotcha. And, yeah. and, and thanks for putting that out because I, I know some people that, especially like RVers that work from the road, that can't be without, you know, a signal that long, as you said, a couple of days without a signal. So they just want to kind of rush through Canada, get up to Alaska where they can get back to, you know, having cell signals mm-hmm. and, and more reliable things like that. Uh, but then you have some people that like to d- spend some more time on the Icefield Parkways, the Calgary, Banff, all that stuff, and take their time to get up. And that's what we would do, yeah. you know, when yeah, we were going sure. up there. So 10 days definitely sounds way better to us. Oh, but... yeah. Instead of rushing through Canada. I totally agree with that. Okay. Uh, w- with your trip, I, I know there's many places that you can enter into Canada to go up to the Alaska Highway. I, I know Washington, you've got there by Glacier. Uh, you know, for us, because we live in Kentucky, I think going up through North Dakota and then making your way over to the Alaska Highway is the way it recommends. Um, now, for your caravan, does everybody meet in Washington or does some people meet you en route, uh, you know, when you hit the Alaskan Highway or how does that work? Yeah, so it depends on who's coming with me. This year, I have some, I, everyone's going to be on the West Coast and Washington is going to work out well for everybody. In 2025, I will take a look at who's signing up and where they're coming from. And I could probably easily adjust the meeting, our muster station, um, to be a little bit further east. But I spend so much time myself in the Pacific Northwest, it's, it's pretty much always been my jumping off point. Um, and yet, I'm happy to change it up a little bit if, for instance, in 2025, most of the caravanners to Alaska are from, you know, the Midwest or the East. So that leads me to a couple more questions. And that's, so what is the size limit to your caravan? And you're already talking about 2025. So how far do you recommend people book book you in advance? Yeah, so um, I am looking at taking 10 to 15 rigs. And okay. I, I put a minimum or a maximum, I guess it would be of one, obviously you've got the driver, but a maximum of two people rig. I would, I want um, something that's easily wrangable and we can all um, easily find campgrounds together and, and that kind of thing. 
I, I'm alluding to 2025 because I've had people get in touch with me and say that they 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 just found out about the opportunity now. Their summer's already booked, but they are interested in 2025. So what I'm putting together at this point is a list of kind of a first right of refusal. A, I wouldn't call it a wait list, but a, a list that I'll give everyone a heads up when registration is open for 2025. Oh, okay. Fantastic. And then what all does your tour include? So everybody, you know, is meeting up at, at a designated location. You've got, you know, 10 to 15 RVs heading out. What all does your tour include? Okay. So in my tour package, we have a monthly, we have three monthly preparation meetings. The first one for 2024 is actually starting mid-February, February 13th. So online, we will come together three times mid-February, mid-March, and mid-April in our preparation for our mid-May departure. Mm. Uh, Put together um, a little campground um, bonfire the night before at a Washington State Park. I'm carrying a Garmin inReach and radios so that we can communicate well among ourselves and also have a way to communicate to the outside world while we're traveling. I am lending you my route planning and packing skills and pacing. There's three reservations, campground reservations that are all also included. The first night out, in the middle of the trip, and the last night together. And it's been it's it's in strategic places where you can get a good shower and re up on your cooler and supplies and um and and you know. The campground I love, the first night out, it has a halibut and fish, a fish and chips truck stand in it because <laughs> the owner yeah. used to be a commercial fisherman. So, yeah, so three reservations and those fees are included. And then I'm going to also provide a document on Kim, I call it Kim's Picks, the things that I like to do and the places I like to go in Alaska for once you actually arrive at your destination. Yeah, we and we talked offline. So once you get to Alaska, they're kind of on their own. And then getting back, they're kind of on their own as well, too, correct? Correct. So um, Caravan 2 Alaska is uh, literal. I'm going to bring everybody <laughs> north with me. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> then you're on your own. <laughs> Ta-da! I feel like the type of trip that this is geared towards is for the more, kind of like you guys, the more experienced independent travelers that are comfortable operating their rig, confident in their equipment. And say, if they're comfortable driving from Kentucky to Oregon and back, they would be a candidate for this trip. With that said, once they kind of come up with me on the northbound route and kind of see at least my approach to doing this in an easy and fun way, They'll be at the des- their you know their destination is Alaska. So then I give them the picks that I would recommend. Set everybody free. I expect what's happened before in the past is that people, some of the people inside the caravan, stick together and go out on their you know little subgroup, and others go out on their own. They want a little more independence and feel more confident after they've um, participated in the caravan. And then people have come back at their leisure. A lot of them like to come back the the same way because they've already done it once. Um, and then other people will go a different way home. Yeah, gotcha. this is, I mean, this is a fantastic, I, I love this because, 
you know, I think some <laughs> of the the daunting part of getting to Alaska is the fear the, of unknown, right? I mean, the the fear of the unknown and the and the customs and dealing with Canada and how do I get through there? Right. And you know, because Randy and I have talked about it, we have like a million questions because we'd be traveling with two dogs and a cat, and you know the stuff, and you know we you you read things about well, like dog food and cat food, and how does all that work? And so you know, you're dealing and helping everybody with that, getting them to Alaska and saying. Ta-da, here you go. Go have fun. Right. <laughs> you know, setting your little children free. <laughs> <laughs> My little ducklings going off into the world. That's right. 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 Um, yeah, you know, and that's, Kelly, you hit it right on the nail on the head. That's what I wanted to provide. This is a side thing that I'm doing, um, a little bit of a hobby job. Like I, I mentioned, I ran out of friends to drive with me. <laughs> um, but I knew that this information, like you said, would be helpful to other people. There are other RV caravans out there and they are for a different audience. Mm -hmm. Um, They are show up and get in the caravan that may have 50, 75 rigs in it. Um, Your, your vacation activities are booked for you. A lot of the meals are made for you. It's very, very all inclusive. You really don't have to be too prepared for them, but you also have to pay about fifteen thousand dollars per person for those. Ooh, right. Yeah, right. yeah, um, and that's not including you know your gas and anything that's going on with your rig. So this that audience is not that's not who we're looking for in Caravan to Alaska. Like we mentioned, it's we're looking for people like you and other people who are very comfortable traversing all over the lower 48 and just want to talk to somebody about the unknown. Right, right. Well, and I think for me, I think my biggest concern has always been not, not even so much the fear of the unknown customs and all that. Cal and I travel worldwide quite frequently. In fact, we're going to Africa here in a couple of weeks. But we, uh, so I'm not afraid of that. For me, it's the, if you have a problem, you know, these RVs are not known to be reliable. <laughs> right. yeah, I don't care if you spend $2 million, you spend $200 on it. RVs it are just shakes, not, it's going to break. Yeah, it just are not real reliable. And, and so you get out there with no cell phone service, you're 200 miles away from any facilities and you've got a transmission that goes out, you know, uh, what do you do? And, you know, if you're with a bigger group, you know, you've got people that can help out and that can and maybe not tra- change the transmission, but they can go ahead and notify people and get the right, you know, help you get the right help that you need to, to uh, get your rig fixed. And so that, that for me is the most daunting thing. Um, um, it's just getting there safely. So have you had that happen? Have you had, you know, you've taken a group up and you've had one of them that had a problem with the rig? Uh, so far I haven't, knock on wood, but I do have a story. Um, my father, who drove from Florida to Alaska and back with a, um, I guess his diesel pusher is about 38 feet long and he was towing an SUV. He and my mom came up to Alaska, spent a couple of months while I lived there, had a great time, went to go home and we're just past the Alaska Canada border when something happened with his RV that made it just die. Oh wow. Just like you're saying in the middle of nowhere. Um, he was out of cell phone service, but could get it back at the the border, the customs. So he mm-hmm. he detached, you know, he unhooked his uh, SUV, and every time he made a phone call or a plan, he had to drive back and forth through the oh, U.S. Wow. Canada customs to do it. Um, and contacted a tow service out of Whitehorse, which is 
I don't know, three, three and a half hours away, maybe more. Um, and sat there for hours and hours until the tow, the RV tow service showed up. That uh, gentleman got my dad's big rig on the back of his truck and they set out um, to get back to Whitehorse. It was like a 12 or 18 hour affair just to get picked up and get to a place that had services. Wow. Um, we, we've had those kind of problems yeah. here in the States and it's taken eight to nine oh, hours yeah. to get. We, we had a tire blowout and it took probably eight hours for the whole for the thing whole for to bring us. And we were just in between Lubbock and Amarillo. Right. We <laughs> so, were with cell phone service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it took us, yeah, I think it was about eight hours. It was hours about by eight the time hours. Yeah. Got the right tire, the right rim and got down to us, changed it on the side of the highway. And, yeah, yeah, and so, sent us on our way. So, so that actually that. is not too bad to so, know that. That's how not, now, do you have kind of protocols that, you know, here's how we're going to deal with that? Or you just kind of uh, deal with it when, it when and if it ever happens? Kind of right up the middle of those two um, answers. Um, I have an idea of what would happen depending on where we are. I, have, I do have to let the caravan participants know that, um, th- and that's one of the reasons we do kind of build in the 10 days, is if you had to stop for two or three days and get something fixed. It wouldn't throw your entire schedule off. Um, But definitely we're going to need to find the closest um, town with services. The carpooling would have to be had if we're not towable. um, I know a few people now that I've been doing the drive so many times. I know some Canadians, some very handy Canadians up in the Yukon in British Columbia. So it kind of depends on what's happened, where you are. Um, building in extra time is, in, is great, and it hasn't happened so far. I will say that I, I have AAA, mm-hmm. and every time I uh, get ready to go on my checklist is calling them, c- confirming once again, that they would come pick me up in Canada, yeah. yes. getting someone's name. Bob said it. <laughs> getting that person's name. <laughs> the date and, and time of the phone call. Yep. Um, and then yep. with, with that Garmin inReach, I can uh, send and receive texts to anywhere. And so I will have people who are not on this trip, um, not waiting in the wings, but available and listening for any problems I might have on the road. What? So I, I, I'm able to contact people even out of self-service and, um, and, and get help. So I, I, I think that that's a huge value. Even the value that, you know, you're in the middle of somewhere, you break down, and we look at you, Kim, and you say, you know what, we're, we're uh, 115 miles from this city or we're 70 from this city. I know they've got, uh, uh, you know, someone that can work on your rig. Mm-hmm. And so just having that knowledge is 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 worth, and we haven't even talked about price or anything like that. But that's worth the price of of, yeah. of going in a group. I think absolutely. So, I mean, this is definitely something that's up our alley, and mm-hmm. definitely, you know, you and I chatted offline about us maybe joining the twenty twenty five, and we're and I'm pretty serious about possibly yeah. doing that. And, and so, uh, it's definitely worth it. Hey guys, it's Randy and Callie, and we just received today the newest edition of our magazine, which is issue 20, just arrived today. And I'm telling you guys right now, this is a beautiful magazine. Those subscribers that subscribe understand exactly what we're talking about, but this is a beautiful magazine. What do you think, Callie? The magazine is gorgeous. Thick photo paper on the inside, heavy cardstock cover, 
the pictures just pop off the pages. This is not one of those tissue paper magazines that you're going to get in the mail, read one time and happily throw away. This is a journal, like a travel guide that you're going to want to hang on to and keep for years to come. And we know some of you might be on the fence about taking that plunge and subscribing to the magazine. I'm sure you've heard the code if you've been listening to us, podcast20, podcast20. We'll get you 20% off this print subscription. Yeah, so one of our partners said it the best. They, he described it the best. He said, if you take the best part of your favorite RV magazine, you add in a travel magazine, and then you toss in a healthy dose of National Geographic, you'll get some idea of what RV Destinations magazine looks like. And that's exactly what we've been striving for since day one with this magazine. We are so confident about it that if you get that first magazine and are not happy with it, let us know. We will refund your money. You ship it back to us. We'll give you your money back. That's absolutely correct. That's right. So get out there. Use Podcast 20, Podcast 20, save 20%. Come be inspired. Come and join us, y'all. So l- let's talk a little bit about, and, and I hate to mention pricing, but I want to, you know, again, we talked about this offline. I want to bring up the difference between... You know, like the these cost. all-inclusives. Well, well you know, uh, just even some of the other ones that just take you up, uh, you are quite a bit cheaper than them. And, and uh, you know, maybe talk about some of the ranges out there, some of the different, uh, you know, costs and, and then the costs associated with your trip. Yeah, so those, the big ones that are all-inclusive, and I do mean you just show up and they have they have a lot of your activities in Canada and Alaska booked for you, you know, flight, flight seeing and fishing and all that kind of things. And pre- preparation of meals, like we mentioned, mm-hmm. $12,000, $15,000 per person. Um, what Caravan to Alaska isn't my primary um, interest, and I truly am doing it to help people create the, the trip of their dreams. And my caravan is eight, $849 per rig. And wow, like we mentioned, awesome. that's the three camp. Yeah, it's it's what I'm having people do is there is an amount of responsibility and effort that I'm going to be placing this with. I've got the knowledge. I'll be rounding up the people, doing the meetings online. And, you know, there there is some work involved in my part. So the, my price reflects 10 to 15 people paying for the knowledge and the support and the Alaska recommendations and basically from just my time and effort. So and now I also can't seem to find an RV um, caravan that's in between those two things. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I do think I'm the only one out there who's doing it. A small amount of people in possibly smaller rigs. And then you have the caravans typically see all big rigs. And again, there's just not there's not a lot of services in the middle. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that is so inexpensive for what you're getting. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, just having that guide to be able to tell you, you know, everything, you know, you always, of course, pray for everything to go perfectly. Right. Um, but when you're, when you're in a situation like this, where you're going to have days without any kind of cell phone signal, we, and we do the same thing. We've got Verizon phones mm-hmm. and we've got an AT&T hotspot. Cause I know AT&T is real, uh, works really well in Alaska. It's actually the only carrier that works well in Alaska. Uh, and that's even pretty bad. Uh, I, I, I've flown up to Alaska. I've never driven my rig. I, I've, I've spent about a month actually in Palmer, right where we at. So I know exactly a lot about Palmer. Um, so 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 anyway. But you know, I just think that that's 
what you're providing is a great service for a very, very inexpensive yeah. price. And so I, I love what you're doing. So, uh, so how do folks, how do folks find you there? I'm, I'm sure we have so many listeners right now that are like, this is perfect. This is exactly what we've been looking for. So how do they find you? How do they book you? Where do they go? Okay. So they're going to want to pull up our website, um, com. It's a pretty simple website that's published that, that has a very robust FAQ section. All the information you will want to hear about um, when we're going, where we're going, how we're doing it, what's included is on the website. There's a page to register, and that's simple as well. You would just punch in your information, your name. Um, I don't even think I've got address in there. Name, phone number, email, and then... Uh, hit register and it'll take you to a payment page. And once you pay the fee, you're in. And then I'll contact you via email to catch you up on the conversation so far and um, plug you into our monthly meetings, which are happening in a couple of weeks here. That's gotcha. great. And do you still have availability for this summer for 2024 for people that are like, you know what, I, I actually can do it this year? I do. I have several spots open and um, uh, right up until the caravan. I I'm doing what I'm doing anyway, so there's not really much I have to prepare for to take you to Alaska, but you might want to get a hold of me in advance so you can you can get your stuff arranged and that kind of stuff. So there's no deadline to sign up, is I guess what I'm saying. Oh, so, fantastic. So your, your email or if they submit information on your website that g- goes directly to you, is that correct? That's correct. And people can, there's a, I've got my phone number and my email on the website. I'm happy to entertain questions um, if they have some before they register, but we definitely have space for 2024. 2025 is shaping up that wait list. Um, I believe I have four or five people already on it, which doesn't sound like much, but I'm never going to take more than 10 or 15 rigs. So that wait list is just about half full for 2025. So. I, I've got a couple other questions. Uh, I know we don't want to keep you on all day here, um, and this is all really good information. Yeah. So, so the first one, I'm trying not to make this political, but uh, and it shouldn't go political. Hopefully not. But <laughs> and I don't know if you, I don't know if you know the answer to this question. So I know being up in Alaska, uh, you know the uh, Alaska highly suggests you carry a firearm while you're hiking. Now. Canada does not let you bring firearms through that. Is that correct? Is that still the case? Or are there ways to get firearms across? And again, you know, I'm just thinking about... For responsible firearm owners. Callie and I are both licensed. We have our license Mm -hmm. to carry and all that kind of stuff. So, um, or do you know? Okay. Um, I know enough to point people in the right direction. I would not attempt to bring up any um, handguns or pistols. I don't even think you can. You can bring up long guns um, because, you know, the difference is uh, through the lens of the Canadian border is you're going hunting. Okay. Arms for hunting, you can bring with you. Um, There's going to be a lot of regulations about obviously them not being loaded and then how you carry your ammunition and the forms to fill out and all that kind of stuff. So you can bring, if you go through the steps with the Canadian government, you can bring long guns across the border. I don't think you can bring handguns, but there are, I think there's also companies that will ship them up there for you. 
Right. That's what I've heard before, that, that you just ship them to You take them to a gun store locally, wherever you're at. They will ship them to the gun store up in Alaska. You pick them up there and then do the reverse when you head back. Yes. Um, it, and along the lines of, if I, we may not be t- uh, finished with the weapons discussion, but just I'm, I'm thinking, I don't carry a gun. I'm okay with everybody else who is. Um, I carry bear spray for protection against people and obviously bears, but it has to be bear spray. <laughs> <laughs> but it needs to be bear spray and not pepper spray. Okay, the, the overarching summary is that the Canadian border officer, that line between the two countries, Canada doesn't want you to bring weapons. So what they define as weapons go it extends past what we we think of as weapons and pepper or mace spray to deter humans is a weapon so if you do carry bear spray which i do recommend for everybody it has to be actual bear spray that has been made to be used in that fashion which is pepper spray which is pepper spray for bears (laughs) yes it's just it's all the labels (laughs) (laughs) i understand Gotta love marketing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it is gotcha. a giant bottle of, of pepper spray, but it'll say, you know, the, my favorite brand is Counter Assault, and I take several of them with me and, um, and, and tell the border agents everything they want to know about them. So, um, so to answer, back no, to that... your question, guns are possible, but there's going to be some work, effort, and logistics involved. Right. Okay. It, it, it certainly sounds like shipping them up makes the most sense because I'm thinking more, you know, handguns because out hiking, I'm not going to be carrying a rifle or I choose not to carry. Yeah, because we don't even rifle. We have a shotgun. Well, yeah, that just yeah. wouldn't be something you would hike with. No. OK, that that's enough. I just yeah. wanted to kind of see what your thing. But uh, so we've talked a lot about, um, you know, housekeeping items and in, in, in the tour itself. So let's build a little dream now. Let's get some inspiration here. Tell us about some of the wildlife, some of the scenery that you see as you're driving up there we'll kind of maybe wind things down on that note uh, build, build us a dream why do people want to go to alaska oh my goodness for the same reasons i assume that i do um first of all i love to drive and i love taking long road trips and to me those are more the more scenic they are and the less crowded they are the more i enjoy them the landscape and the and the scenery is spectacular your entire way through the further north you get, the less people are. So you can end up going down a highway and not seeing another car for a couple of hours. You can stop wherever you want. Most of Canada's land is public land, and 99% of it you can spend the night on. So you don't even have to stay in a campground or an RV park overnight. Gravel pits are A-OK as long as they don't have a sign that says no camping. The wildlife, I always, um, I take a little journal with me and I just, I just start doing head counts. The most amount of bears I've ever seen was a one-day trip actually off the Cassiar and over to the Stuart Hyder area, which is um, super interesting because it's two small towns. One of them's U.S. and one of them's Canadian and they're only a mile apart, way out on the west coast of, the, of North America. But anyway... In one day, I think on the uh, on that road, I I counted twenty black bears. Oh wow! Wow! And that was just what I could see while I was driving down the road next to 
um, thick vegetation. So if there's 20 standing right by the road, there's a whole heck of a lot more um, if you were to stop and, and get off the road a little bit. So I have seen black bear and grizzly bear. Um, actually, my closest encounter with a grizzly bear was in a huge park in British Columbia, it was kind of ironic because it was a Canadian holiday. And so it was a big park and it was packed with like a hundred campsites were taken. And there was a resident grizzly bear just going around the campground, finding berries. And fortunately for us, minding his own business. Um, so that was wow. pretty, <laughs> that was pretty cool. And then there's the, the, the herds of caribou. You can see bison, of course, your bald eagles, plenty of moose. Um, I have, it, it's so remote and so wild. There was one time I was heading up the top of the Cassiar Highway and I saw a little animal in front of me, which turned out to be a fox. And I slowed down for it. And then I noticed that I slowed down and he didn't disappear. So I, I came to a complete stop, which is not something you can do on, on all the highways that you know. <laughs> I came to a complete stop, yeah. <laughs> looked in my rearview mirror, and he, I was rolling just really, really slowly, and he was following my van. So I came to a stop, and I started, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I started talking to him out the window, and he came right up to the, to the side window and looked up at me. And I, it's too vast out there to be thinking that this, this guy knows what humans are and is looking for a handout. He's just super curious because you just don't see I don't see a lot of him every day, and I guess he didn't see a lot of me in my van every day. So um, he came right up to my window and said hi. I I took a picture of him wow. close, close up, and I posted it on my Facebook page that I w had been thinking about adopting a third dog, and I found this stray one up in British <laughs> Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That is great. Yeah, so, so Ka Callie's never been to Alaska, and, and I have not been through the Canadian Rockies and all that, and I, I think you pretty much follow the Canadian Rockies all the way up, uh, and, and so I, I've heard stories. I had a good friend who was an FBI agent. He was actually uh, stationed in Alaska, or, or got stationed from, let's see, Cincinnati and up to Alaska, and so he drove up there from uh, Cincinnati. He told me about all the. He said he had stopped the car because there was a grizzly bear right right on the road, and they had to wait till the bear moved off the road, and you know a bunch of stories like that. And it was just you know that just wet my appetite mm -hmm. to like I want to do that one day. It's just so amazing. So, um, well, this is awesome. What is there anything we missed that you think our listeners should know about? You know, not only just uh, driving up to Alaska on their own, but about your you know your caravan or anything. Have we missed anything here? Oh, I think we did a, um, a pretty good um, overlay of the land here. All I can say is I've, I've, um, I've, I've, I've done it a lot. I've put together an easy way to do it. The I, I'm in luck that I've always, whatever the networking is or whatnot, I always have wonderful people come with me, and we end up being friends long after the trip is done. Um, so, yeah. Um, Come with Caravan to Alaska and just push the easy button on it all, and uh, you'll have a great summer. Yeah, and I, and I should be completely transparent. You know, uh, Kim and her company did not pay us to be on the show. We felt like this was a huge value and that mm -hmm. we wanted to bring it to you. And again, all the listeners out there, we, we usually don't take any kind of dollars 
uh, for these guests that we bring on here because we we just think it's something. If it's something I want to do, then I know there's somebody else out there like me that want to do it. And so Absolutely. That's why, we, Kim, thank you so much for coming on. And, and again, tell, tell everybody the website to find out more information again, please. Sure. It's www.caravantoalaska.com. I hope some of the things we went over today is helpful for anyone thinking about a trip um, going up to Alaska. But I guess the I would offer, whether you come with us or you go on your own, you are perfectly capable of doing it if you have a great rig and confident in your abilities to operate it and stay in and out of it, you know, camping and everything. It's definitely a trip that you can do and, and you really should do because I, it's just... I have I sometimes tell people I built my summer tourism business strictly so I could drive to Alaska and back every year. So um, it's a great trip and everyone should take it at some point. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for being on the show here and tell us about Caravan to Alaska. I'll let Callie take us out from here. Yeah. So thank you again, Kim. We really appreciate you. And again, folks, get out there to caravantoalaska.com for more information on how to join this caravan. Uh, Kim has a lot of great information on our website. Feel free to reach out to her as well. She's got her, her phone number out there, and, and I know she's she's there to help as a wonderful resource. And we want to thank you so much, Kim, for joining us today. And thank you all out there for listening to us today. And be sure to get out there and rate, review, and subscribe to or follow the RV Destinations podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am Callie Beheimer here with Randy Beheimer and Kim Riles of Caravan to Alaska. And we want to thank you all for listening. Be safe. Safe travels, y'all. You've been listening to the RV Destinations podcast. Hitting the road in an RV is one of the most popular things to do nowadays. And it's our passion to clue you in on where to go and what to see. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, visit our website at www.rvdestinationsmagazine.com. And from there, you'll get a more in-depth look at destinations for the RVer. Thanks for listening. Be safe out there. And we'll see you next time on the RV Destinations Podcast.